The first wave startups are attacking certain parts of the value chain and try to become the best, uh, better customer relation, relationship management system, the better underwriting system, take it or you name it. Um, in the second wave, you see that the that are companies attacking the whole value chain. Uh, but still, this is like because it's a whole value chain, and this is what we see right now in tech and fintech. Um, but what we will see in the future is the third wave. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Diz. I'm your host, Diz Blanchfield. And today I have the pleasure of being joined in the studio by Robin Kira, aka Digital Scouting. Robin, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. Now, I should just let folks know in typical style of uh, Conversations with Diz, we've uh, synced up on opposite sides of the planet. You're uh, based in Hamburg in Germany, aren't you? Yes, I'm in rainy Hamburg uh, right now. Rainy Hamburg. Well, uh, I've got to tell you, it's 7 in the morning here in Sydney on Sunday, and I think it's your Saturday, and I'm looking out my window, and it's beautiful and sunny. So, Robin, welcome on board. Now, I've been following you for some time. Uh, uh, you've popped on the scene uh, uh, as an influencer, and, and you've really hit the scene with a bang. I've been following your um, Twitter feed and your blogs and a range of things. Uh, before we get started, could you maybe just give us a couple of minutes and introduce yourself personally and, and particularly digital scouting? Yeah, I'm happy to. So um, what happened with me, I've been working for over a decade in uh, large corporations and startups, especially uh, doing a lot of process optimization, digital transformation, large project portfolios. And then my free time, I uh, a lot of times um, uh, put a lot of content on LinkedIn, had, a discuss had discussions, shared uh, topics. And uh, in the end, uh, suddenly um, um, somebody calls you an influencer and uh, things really uh, started uh, there. And um, yeah, it has been a, a quite uh, adventure over the last one and a half years uh, considering that. It is a quite a journey, isn't it? Uh, I think there are two schools of thought. There's uh... Folk have kind of been out there doing stuff like yourself for some time uh, and then eventually someone just gives you a call and, and you get uh, labelled or cornered as an influencer and then all of a sudden you're on the scene. And then there are other folk who sort of come from more of a sales and marketing background and actually build that and promote that themselves. I've I've come from more of a practitioner background myself as I spoke before with you on, uh, before we hit record where I've always been a technical person and I've always been in business consulting. Uh, and then similar experience where people just pop up and go, oh, you're a thought leader, you're an influencer. Uh, how's that been, though? What's that? Uh, I mean, you you do a lot of consulting uh, in your own right, um, and you've got your own practice going, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, what's it been like? Uh, what's the change to your life been like when uh, somebody finally labelled you an influencer, and 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 all of a sudden you're out in the scene? And uh, what does your wife think of that big impact that you're on the stage all the time? <laughs> Yeah, well, um, what she she what she thinks is that I always need when I say I have a great idea, or I get another request or another request that she says, you know, um, make sure um, and to 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 see what's in it, um, and that it really really works for you. Maybe one thing to add is that I'm not only like active on social media, but I also write articles and participate at a lot of conferences, at panels, or um, as keynote speaker. Uh, and what I do, how do I do that, and why is that? Um, um, so successful is because um, I call out the elephant in the room and um, especially when it comes to the fintech and insurtech scene or banks and finance and insurance to talk about the, the things that might happen or that happen or the, 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 the look behind the scene. Uh, 
And because um, I've worked for incumbents, uh, so I really know what the IT legacy systems uh, look like and what their capabilities are and how ready actually the whole organizations are for the things that are coming. And I think they're not uh, pretty, not, not really ready. No, absolutely. In fact, um, I'm really keen to get a, a, a bit of insight into your background in that space, actually, now that you table that. Yeah. Could you maybe just give us a quick walk through what the, what the sort of timeline and roadmap look like for you personally, as in, you know, uh, you know from, the, from the whole process of going from junior school to high school and then into studying and sort yep. of coming to yep. UR? How, how did you even come to be where you are now? What's your sort of background? A lot of people ask me after shows, you know, um, how did that person become that role? How do they get to that? And we have a lot of young listeners and certainly listeners at university and they're yep. always really keen to know, you know, how did Robin Keir get cool. to the point where you've got digital scouting? What's that background sound like? Well, my first background, and most importantly, I went to high school in, in uh, Midlands, Texas, uh, a lovely uh, Carter family as a foreign exchange student. This really was my first intercultural uh, adventure, being 12 months away from home in this very foreign country, very lovely country, and I still love country music. Um, but nevertheless, for, for a teenager, it was quite a shock. So I went home and did my school uh, in the in the more urban, more rural area of uh, castle, which nobody knows, and that's totally okay, um, only because of the, the documenta art exhibition. Then I went uh, studied history, so I'm actually a historian by trade, and everybody's asking me how did a uh, how does a historian end up uh, being in the tech space? Um, so I very early began, besides my study, to work for a medical technical company for a family-owned company, and I was very close. I was close to to the owners, and they really impressed me. They were entrepreneurs. They 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 were the sort of people that give a handshake and that counts. And I have like right. countless experiences where I saw this. So um, this is what I was, was really, really struck me. Um, and then I um, finished my studies and uh, worked for them a while. Then uh, I wrote my PhD in history. So um, uh, again, um, and uh, yeah, then I, um, uh, changed companies. I went to Allianz, actually, uh, my first insurance uh, company, and there I worked for the Allianz management program. So I really went out in the field and tried to sell insurances. And what I noticed there was we had like these 18 kilo heavy laptops, these uh, these uh, cell phones, you know, from the dark ages. Uh, and I was like, guys, <laughs> you know, digital possibilities, social networks, uh, heard about this LinkedIn and Xing and uh, Facebook thing. So I was very working a lot with, with, with digital tools there and the rest not. Um, and the whole educational system of Allianz didn't either. So I complained a lot and said, guys, we can, you know, conquer the world with this stuff. And uh, then they said, okay, Robin, why don't you go to Munich to the headquarters and do some projects there to push this topic. So, so I went uh, to Munich in the headquarters and I uh, worked close to the board there. So right. this was actually my first step then into uh, into, into the insurance uh, scene. Um, yeah, and uh, after after that, um, uh, um, uh, I was left uh, Allianz and the funny thing is my boss asked me in the moment I quit he said in which department are you changing I'm like I'm not changing departments I'm leaving <laughs> you're because leaving. It's, so, it's so unthinkable <laughs> to leave the corporate world <laughs> it is especially that industry and, I, I and think that, banking and finance people tend to spend a lifetime there right they feel like once they've indoctrinated you or you've you've learned the ways of the company it's, so it's interesting that you've you've come from a real hands-on practitioner background then and I, I like the the yep. fact that you mentioned legacy technology, um, I think it's it's to me reading your blogs and your background, you clearly come from a, a hands-on technical practitioner background, and you've you built yourself into yep. having the, the expertise and 
business consulting and you mentioned that you're in the boardroom that's a very important place to be because otherwise you yep. uh, you don't tend to have any real impact in the business now you've you've got this whole brand around digital scouting and i think one of the things that a lot of people might ask when they have a look at what you're up to you, you know you do a lot of stuff around um, you know, blogging and writing. And as you said uh, before we hit record, you, you do a lot of writing, a lot of blogging, and that's traditionally been sort of where you've driven your thought influence. Since you've hit the scene uh, in sort of the influencer space, quote unquote, uh, you know, doing longer interviews and, and speaking and whatnot. Um, but I'm really keen to understand just, you know, I guess the question is, what is digital scouting? Maybe give us a bit of a background because, you now you've got this catch cry of Robin is looking for the next big thing, always looking at for you daily in the consulting space. Um, maybe just give us a quick rundown on specifically what is digital scouting? What do you want people to know about that brand and that name and that company and the consulting that you do? So what I believe in is that around the world, we have great ideas in different industries. We have awesome ideas. We have uh, technological ideas. We have uh, business ideas. We have um, ideas how we can work together, organizational ideas. But they are scattered around the world. And since um, I started traveling uh, around it and, and, and landing and flying in for a speaking gig and flying out, I always took a lot of impressions and and, and, um, and and features and product ideas and business ideas and saw what is going on in this this country or this culture only like from a snapshot um, and I was um, always saw that this knowledge can be actually very valuable for other people at other places that don't have these insights. So I, I took the idea from soccer scouting. How do great soccer clubs do it? They oh, go around right. the countryside and they watch they watch the, the, the upcoming players. And I actually watch the upcoming tech. Um, and uh, I, there are great thought leaders and platforms out there that a lot of are tied to a certain technology. So I was thinking about why not setting up a little bit broader site where we always can talk about all different new trends and tech uh, that, that that might influence us and and also um, 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 to, to offer a platform and, and and do that. So digital scouting is what actually more a, a, an action to go around and look around and and share this knowledge and not, you know, take it as a silo, but share this knowledge. And, and that's what I do on the site. But I also have a, a section there where people... Um, where people, um, uh, where I interview people uh, on a regular basis, for example, Daniel Schreiber, like the, the hottest insured tech right now, the CEO of Lemonade, uh, and other and other great, great, great people. And I need to say also friends. Um, right, right. And this led actually to to this is this idea of providing a platform uh, led to a lot of requests for mentoring for startups, for doing due diligence for startups, for investors, consulting, um, and, uh, and, 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 and on, on, on digital transformation. I, I think what you've done is very clever. It's um, you're effectively, you know, creating a platform where people can get a voice uh, indirectly through that process. You're getting access to people that most people wouldn't get access to because they want to have a voice and, and a yeah. platform too. And also you're kind of getting to network and share and, and, and converse uh, at peer level with mentors on what's happening, what's new in it. Uh, it's a trend I've seen globally, and it's exploded, in my view, um, in the grand scheme of things. I know I've got about 35 years of being in business and technology myself. And in the last six to eight years, I've seen this whole thing of, of use of digital platforms, as you have very cleverly and, and, and smartly done, uh, to kind of just create this voice where you can cut right through the whole process. You know, I... And I'm sure you see it with startups yeah. where, and I'd like to sort of get some insight into that. 
you know, with startups, they've realized that they don't have to go and spend a million dollars on a marketing campaign with print and digital and yep. TV and radio. They can just create a, a voice on a digital platform like yours and they can be social and all yep. of a sudden they get this cut through. They, they've got it, you know, they're talking directly to their market. Um, are there any examples that you've got in some of the startups that you're working with? You work with a lot of startups, you said. Are there some examples with the startups yep. that you've seen where you've actually managed to do that, where you've, um, and I'm sure there are, where you sort of, instead of saying, you know, let's spend a million dollars on a print advertising campaign or a TV campaign, uh, let's spend a fraction of that on social and, and digital engagement, uh, and then all of a sudden they're on the scene and, and they're a brand. Well, when I work together with startups, it's not like that I say, okay, you guys can come on my page. I mean, um, this would be could be a thing, but I, that's not my 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 service I offer. It's more um, that um, that I you know, I um, have a look at their pitch deck, that I look at their product process because I'm a product guy. You know, I build digital products and systems because besides a digital scouting, I actually work uh, for for a private bank here in Hamburg and, and set up a digital ecosystem of products and services. Right. So um, I, I I consult. Um, 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 startups, especially in all their, you know, to do to do a due diligence, it can be for the investor or for the startups themselves. Um, yes, so but it's not focused on marketing; it's more focused on on product, but also, of course, uh, a few takes uh, on on marketing. Because nowadays, I think you cannot separate these things anymore. But I totally agree with you; it's not necessary as startup. Oh, even as an incumbent to spend millions uh, in marketing when you when you do it very wisely can uh, can do it by yourself i mean if, if if individuals can do it you know for example like me why shouldn't it multiple dollar companies either do it absolutely and in fact uh, you know i, I spend a lot of time uh, in the evenings just uh, while my family are asleep i can have three days i'm sure you have the same things you know you get in the morning you get the house running you yeah the the day to get your job done or make money or do whatever it might be. You've got night time with family and then they go to sleep and then you've got your own day. And the thing I've been tracking lately is that whole transition uh, of sort of you know, organizations of all sizes, small, medium and large, and particularly the, the incumbents and, as you said, some of the larger banks that have been around in your space in insure tech and fintech world, the whole FSI, they have learned very quickly uh, in the last couple of years that they can pivot and, you know, they may continue to spend money in their traditional spaces because they want to keep hitting those markets, but they're new markets. And yeah. I'm really interested in your take on that whole space, actually. You know, I, I personally yeah. haven't really got my finger on the pulse of this thing as much as you have. Um, but I've got some very strong opinions and views around this concept of taking something like insurance or finance and just adding the word tech on the end. And I know there's some bona fide success stories out there where people sort of said, you know, we're in insure tech, we're in, in fintech and we're, we're disrupting. I'm just worried that a lot of players, a lot of old school players have just reinvented themselves by saying they're in fintech and insurtech by tagging the word tech on there as a hashtag. What's your take on that whole spin space? I mean, do you think there's a genuine, uh, unique proposition and uh, value for organizations who do pivot to sort of focusing on, on the whole, you know, quote unquote, fintech, insurtech, uh, health tech, et cetera? Or do you think it's kind of just... um? a way to refocus and, and, and bring new attention to it, but it's a lot of the old stuff that we've been doing for a long time, just done better. No, I, I'm, I strongly believe we see different phases. What we've seen right now is uh, it was the first phase, or we see that actually in all um, industries, but in fintech and insurtech, we've seen it uh, right now. So the first wave, startups are attacking certain parts of the value chain and try to become the best, uh, better customer relation, relationship management system, the better underwriting system, take it or you name it. Um, in the second wave, you see that the that our uh, companies attacking the whole value chain. Uh, but still, this is like 
because it's a world value chain. And this is what we see right now in geotech and fintech. Um, but what we will see in the future is the third wave where um, we see industries merge. I don't, I don't, in my opinion, it doesn't make sense that we have fintech and insurtech. Is that the difference? People want that their finances are in order and they don't want to stress with that. They don't want right. 27 different, different uh, company apps, for example, on their phone. So we will see a merge of that. And in the end, it will be a, a go into the um, life assistance, assistance um, uh, wave. It's my personal opinion. I can, can be totally wrong. So um, until the first two steps are, um, are, are yeah, the optimization of the existing and, and after that, I think that we will see new, st new stuff. But I see also an underlying trend that's totally new. 90% uh, of the data existing today was generated in the last two years. So first time in human history, we see an explosion of data um, in, in this quantity and quality. And we can store it, we can analyze it, and we can... Um, um, and predict, uh, predict it and, and, and track it. This is incredible. And if you think about, I mean, I, who do I talk to? Yeah. You know, I mean, you're, you're the data guy, um, data science is a scientist here. But I think these, these impact, I think the whole banking industry and the whole insurance industry have not yet understood this. And I think this is also a social demographic problem in the boardrooms, to be honest. It's, yeah, I, look, I'm glad you came back with that response because, uh, you know, there are a lot of big companies, I think, who are trying this whole fail and fail fast and they're trying to digitally disrupt themselves uh, that I see out there just doing the same old thing, just putting a different colored T-shirt on and maybe being a hip and cool and wearing yep. jeans. Um, but then I see these startups come along, as you just rightly said, and they're saying, well, if we take a, a, a long time, long running industry like finance, and it's the same for health and, and manufacturing and logistics and transport and aviation. I mean, there's some very old... Uh, industries, you know, health, education, and if they just keep doing the same old thing, we're just going to get the same old outcome. You know, it's. I always laugh about uh, when people sort of ask me, you know, why make this change? Why pivot? I kind of say, well, you know, are you familiar with the definition of insanity? And they're like, they just look at me strange and I say, well, the defini <laughs> definition of insanity is to do the same thing three or more times in a row and expect a different outcome. And I think, you know, where we've got bona fide startups or, or even just uh, – initiatives inside companies where they are allowed to do things differently they are allowed to be agile and they are allowed to fail and yeah. fail fast um they actually finally give themselves a chance to succeed and uh, i've said this a few times myself you've probably heard it but i i have this view that um uh where we're at now is a very exhausting time and place because there are so many dis just different disruptions and when you you know looking at your website for example you've got some very very you know, rapid growth key market spaces like blockchain and artificial intelligence and virtual reality slash augmented reality. Yep. You've got data analytics and robotics and internet of things and, uh, you know, and it goes on, machine learning, drones, et cetera. And, and each of these yep. are very disruptive. And, you know, once upon a time, if you look yep. at the likes of Y2K, you know, something as simple as, as moving from a two-digit two date to a four-digit date so that Instead of, you know, apostrophe 98, 99, 99, we became 2001, 2002. Yep. Just that simple concept of changing a date in our software disrupted the whole planet in ways that you know, we'd never really conceived yeah. before. Now, as you said, we've got data and machine intelligence and um, blockchain and, and all these other digital technologies. I mean, we've seen mobile phones and smartphones. Look at the way that they impacted the world. And we're yep. still coming groups with it. I'm of the opinion that most companies are exhausted just coping with the learning and the understanding, just coming to grips with the concepts of what is blockchain, what is AI, what is deep learning, what is machine learning, um, what are drones. Um, 
you know, each of those are very exhaustive things to try and keep up with. So I have this view that we're all sprinting just to keep up with each of these disruptive technologies. The problem I've got, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this, is a lot of big companies, particularly the FSI space and your world in insurance and banking, they're so yep. large that they are actually impacted by 99% of those things. You know, they've got customers with um, you know, desire for a better customer experience. They want the, the whole Kardashian celebrity experience. They want the mobility platform. They want yep. digital banking. They want to be able to pay in blockchain. They want, um, they, want, they want the bank to understand that their customer behavior has changed. They might want to bank in virtual reality, for example. Uh, they want to know that data analytics has been applied with, to their big data underneath their account. They, they want to know that you've got you know, machine learning in particular that's predictively looking at what they're up to. Now, for any one organization, any one of these things is so disruptive and so impactful that it's hard work. When you put 10 or 20 together, particularly in the space you're in, it's exhausting, right? So I have this visual that I say to people. I say, I think we're all sprinting just to keep up. The problem is that we're sprinting in multiple races all at the same time. Now, I'm really keen to get your thoughts on what that actually means. I mean, for your clients and people you're dealing with and certainly your peers that you're talking to, do you think it is the case that these things are exhausting and, and, and people are just struggling to keep up? It's just really hard work to just keep across and get a basic language and a vocab to even speak about it, let alone adopt it? To take your um, picture, um, um, taking the incumbents, I think um, there is a sprint going on, but they are sitting in their medieval castle looking at the funny people out there uh, racing towards an <laughs> unknown place, and they think uh, nothing is going to happen, and behind them a uh, fire wave is coming. Right. Um, I, really, I think, um, yes, a lot of people are, are, are trying to keep up, but uh, what I say, when you have the responsibility for thousands of jobs as a C-suit in a traditional company, and you feel overwhelmed, and you feel that this race you cannot cope with, then it's your obligation to step down. And right. not to take the one, two, or three contracts until your retirement. And to be honest, I was um, I participated in a board meeting of a large German insurer, and they told me after my presentation, uh, Mr. Kira, you're the first person talking, uh, mentioning this blockchain thing. This was this year. Right. I'm sorry. Then actually, you should really have a, a severe diligence uh, at your senior vice president level and actually also the board level, because it's so tremendous change that's it's coming. Okay, I don't see a use case right now except the cryptocurrency right now that I that I already has disrupted the market like a smartphone or the iPhone did. But these changes will come. And um, again, as if you do not see fit, um, then you should step down. And I think that's a radical, um, radical um, uh, uh, request, and I think it will cost yeah. me a lot of uh, business along the side. But uh, I think that's just to be honest. And uh, let's not only say it's a it's a sprint where we all need to be very fast. But what is the price? Let's look at the price. I mean, we're talking about a multi-trillion dollar um, or euro worldwide industry, and we're talking about prosperity, all these technologies. It's not about fear and what is we are going to lose, but let's talk about these things we can actually win with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and I'm sure it's a shock for you to have, have you walk in the boardroom and say, um, well done, congratulations on getting here. Now you need to step down and let the next generation come along. Uh, what what are the you know once you do that what are the next steps that you you see people going through you know if if we were to have Robin Kira come into the room present to our board give you an hour to sort of have your say 
you know, what are the next steps that you see these big companies going through? I mean, there's a lot of small businesses, and I think the majority of jobs are offered by small to medium-sized businesses in the world. But yeah. we always gravitate to these big companies who have tens of thousands or you know whatever in staff, and, and we think that they're the engine house of the, the world. When you walk into a large bank and you say to them something to that, you know, that explosive, you know, you need to step off the board, you need to step down in your role or whatever the case may be, or you need to augment your, ma- your management team with somebody that knows this. Um, you know, I guess, you know, w- what happens after that? You know, what kind of reactions have you seen? And have you had anyone sort of do that? Or what, you know, what do you see they need to do? If, if you were coming to my bank and you were telling me that, and let's just assume that I took yep. that on face value, what are the next steps look like? What should they be doing to get to the place where you're recommending they get to? Well, they should follow um, uh, a positive examples. We have seen uh, in the other industries that have been disrupted, for example, the retail industry or the uh, online retail um, industry, e-commerce, uh, we have seen positive examples. For ex- example, here in Germany, or in Europe, actually, the last man standing against Amazon is the Otto Group, and um, they are led by a, uh, their family-owned, and the family owners at a certain point saw the danger of Amazon, and they reacted and did all the unpopular things inside the company uh, and changed it radically. Um, I think this is a positive example. So you can do it as a traditional insurer. But you ask me, what would you recommend? I always say I have like a very personal eight-step approach. Say, have an honest look in the mirror and call the elephant in the room. It may be painful, it may hurt, but just let's be honest to each other. Then present and optimize the existing business model. If 99.9% of your revenue comes out of a certain business model, of course, do not stop that. Continue, but really have a de-investment strategy after you checked everything. And then there's no alternative in becoming an agile tech company yourself. All most valuable companies in the world are agile tech companies. Um, So, you know, that that should be maybe a a way to go. And don't wait until your next five-year portfolio project process starts. Start. Start with simple stuff, just do it, start. And also small and medium-sized business can just start. They don't need to wait for large management consultings um, and having large budgets, but just start with small things. And what I always say, don't think, don't try to sell your customers products, especially in the banking and the insurance industry. You know, we have end of the year and then we need to sell a thousand more liability insurance, a thousand more accident insurances. This is not the way it works anymore. You need to provide solutions to, the, to your customers' value. I like that. Value. And this I is like also. That. Yeah, this is also what, 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 what thought leaders and influencers are doing. They're giving a lot, a lot for free away as a philosophy, and then at some point it comes back. But even, even if not, um, it's, it's all about giving. And yeah. you need, I think, an incumbent cultural change. is number six, a cultural change. And all this hierarchy, all this senior VP, all this business cards, the business cars. And, and, and I was at another insurer, for example, to tell you a story, uh, where we've, they founded a digital, digital company, the first thing the, uh, the, the, the senior VP asked the CEO, now I'm a CEO of this new digital company. Does the car company guideline apply here too? He did not ask what is the business goal, how can we achieve it, what are the resources, and how can we achieve the goal of this new digital company? Now he was asking for his business car. I mean, this is, this is old school culture, and I think there's no tolerance in the market for this anymore. And then uh, sevens, you need to innovate by structures. Okay, I said be be agile, be a startup, uh, do things like that, but set up structures that different your innovation topics from your operational daily business because we all get swarmed up in our daily business and that's totally okay, but find structures um, and, and, and put structures there for your, for your innovation strategy and projects. And in the end, you know, be proud 
out on your strengths, be proud of your knowledge and your industry. That's what saves you right now. But right. my urgent call is combine this with the strengths of the tech and internet industry. And if you're able to do this, um, there's a bright future for you, a bright future. If you're small, mid-size or big, doesn't matter. But it's going to be a long way, a hard way, and a painful way. But in the end, the price is uh, more market share and more profitability. And in the end, also a little bit more fun. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the challenge, isn't it? It's, you know, juggling the amount of hard work involved in here because change is hard work generally. Um, and cultural and behavioral shift takes time. And, you know, people look at it and say, well, you know, the, the, as you said before, what's in it for me? What's the reward? Well, you're going to get you know, more customers on more market share. But at the end of the day, there's only so much market, right? I mean, you could add maybe 5 or 10% in new yep. services, but there's only so many dollars to be spent by so many people. Uh, and that's getting more and more competitive, particularly when um, some of the smaller players that come up in the startup space now can get themselves um, in and around your feet very quickly and in an agile form and, and nibble away at your market space. I like that. Yep. I I, um, I look forward to you writing a book about those eight spots sometime and uh, becoming a best, uh, a, a top number one best author, hopefully. Um, now, we're coming up to uh, a half an hour mark. So the two things I want to do before we wrap up, because uh, I really enjoyed your insight on those eight, and I think we should do a show just on those alone to get into more detail. Yep. Um one of the things I'd love to do uh, before we wrap up is I often ask people to kind of do a bit of crystal ball gazing and um, give us some insight into kind of what's happening with them personally over the next year and a half. And then secondly, where they see things going over the next year and a half as far as just the world in general around them. If we were going to take a look at Robin Kira uh, in, in a year's time or a year and a half's time, uh, now that you're in the uh, influence again space and, and your brand's taken off and you're doing very, very well and writing some great content, doing some great shows and great videos, um, where's Robin Kira in 12 to 18 months uh, compared to today? Well, first, I want to be, uh, you know, a good dad since uh, that is a, was, a, was, a, was a new thing uh, last year. So that's my oh, biggest, congratulations. biggest goal to be. Yes, thank you very much. So that's, uh, uh, that's, that's my first goal. But when it comes to digital scouting, um, I think to really um, uh, broaden the topics there and to really attract uh, more 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 people there but i think uh, my criteria of success is um uh, are we able to continue this the, the discussion uh, and are we able to really push things forward and support the people in companies that are trying to change things and at conferences a lot of time people come to me and say i'm so thankful for your interview for your article on this uh, on that topic because it helped me to convince my boss to do x y and z and and if we can if we can um push this um more i would be very very happy um and um and yes um but um maybe i'm uh, i'm thinking about uh, funny that you mentioned it uh, i'm thinking about a book next year or a video podcast we'll see uh, if my time allows that um yeah, and if it's the number one bestseller, I don't know, but probably I would then need to come to your show to promote it. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, I think um, I think we definitely need to see a book out of you and perhaps just find a co-author that's written before to uh, help guide you along the road for your first one. Um, but particularly your, uh, your eight-point uh, model, I think that's a great concept and uh, it, it definitely needs to see the light of day. Um, and lastly, uh, continuing to look in the crystal ball and gazing into the future yeah um can you give us a few minutes on kind of uh where we're going as a as a, a world a population of people there's a lot of big changes coming about and and you know some very exciting ones that you've just covered very well um and thank you for that where if we were to look at the world and you know if, let's just go back for a second if we think about things like um you know 
you talked about laptops and they were, were um, you know, very, very heavy and clunky. Now we've got laptops yeah. that are super skinny. Um, you know, phone, phones used to have a cable. I remember seeing a, an advert for a movie recently. I forget what it was, but I just had this one line that came out of where um, uh, a young kid runs into a house and uh, wants to steal a phone and run away and make a phone call. And she grabs this wall phone and runs away. <laughs> and then the cable gets caught up and she falls over and, and they're like what are you doing she's like i'm t- going outside to make a phone call and he's like no that's an old phone she, you know and she says stupid old people phone um and you know it's, a, it's it's like a kid that's grown up with smartphones and never understood that phones used to have a phone line right so we've seen these big changes with like new technology with skinny laptops we've seen smartphones come along and have a massive impact and now we've got apps for everything um, when we think about the stuff that you do around InsureTech and FinTech and so forth and, and uh, looking, you know, essentially crystal ball gazing all the time around what's happening there, where do you see us uh, in, in the grand scheme of things? You know, where's the world going to be in a year and a half or 12, 12 to 18 months? What big things do you think so, uh, are coming over the horizon that are going to impact well, us beyond what we've got now? So for InsureTech and FinTech, I think for InsureTech, we will see full digital insurers, so totally new insurers on the space. There are already several in the pipeline. Uh, uh, some will be successful, some not, but I think there will be one that is a potential uh, uh, unicorn and there will the ecosystem is so strong, I personally believe, so that we will see a success there in the, in the next 12 to 18 months. In the f- FinTech space, uh, I am pretty sure that something like WeChat is going to pop up over here in the Western world. Uh, for WeChat, like a like a like a Sims, like a um, like a um, an app where you can communicate and pay a lot, like peer-to-peer payment. This will, might then um, uh, be an, 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 a thing here. I would wish for that, but when it comes to I love technical gadgets, you know. I'm always looking for the next big thing. I am um, really curious which Christmas season will. Uh, deliver the breakthrough to VR and AR. Um, right now, they're still a little bit too expensive. I think that it's a mass uh, uh, mass use, but I'm really, really betting on next year or the latest um, uh, right. the year after that, 2018-19, that we will see then masses of people, not uh, with their cell phones anymore, but watching movies uh, uh, with with a big, big VR devices. Um, that would be my take, my, my guess. Wow, I like that. And it's, it's interesting that... Um even though from what I can tell predominantly you're in, in um, the corporate and enterprise world, uh, you've kind of pivoted there into the consumer space at the end with the fact that people will be watching videos um, wherever they are. And, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm old enough to have been around when the Commodore computer was around and um, the Amiga computer, and we were trying doing uh, you know cool. very clunky um, Max Headroom-style virtual reality, and we just didn't have the compute. And then when we finally got the compute, I think the world started doing things like the... Um, Pixar movies and, and, and Toy Story and things like that. We sort of threw our grunt at making big big screen movies. But it's interesting that you've pivoted all the way to the consumer space and sort of, uh, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality. We've seen Pokemon come and go, right? And, and that just yeah. blew my socks off, right? My son and I would go walking the yeah, dog. Mine too. And we would deliberately walk different routes to go and catch Pokemon characters. And it really struck me that that was... Um, kind of like a Bitcoin moment, you know, like Bitcoin came yep. along and, and changed the world's view of money and where that yep. goes, we don't know yet, but we're still, we're having a different conversation now about money than we were, uh, you know, a couple of yep. years ago before Bitcoin came on. Um, and I think the same happened with Pokemon for me that, that we had this Bitcoin moment where Pokemon came along. It was a completely new game, a new concept. Uh, we went chasing these things and then it vanished. And I'm still not quite sure why it vanished. I suspect somebody tested the idea and then decided that it was really big and they're going to do it properly. 
Um, so, Robin, look, hey, thank you so much for the half an hour with you. It's been a great having a conversation with you. Some great insights into you personally, great insights into your digital scouting project and, and enterprise and uh, the space you're in. And we will definitely have you on for uh, ongoing shows, the second and third uh, episodes. So you've got some amazing insight into that space. Um, but with that, we might wrap up. Just before we do, though, how do people reach out and connect with you? Um, maybe just give us some details on your website URL, uh, your LinkedIn and Twitter profile so people can connect with you and uh, continue the conversation from here because I assure you that people will listen to this and then uh, decide they want to connect with you if they're not already doing that in social anyway. Where do people find you? Well, they can find me on my site, digitalscouting.de, um, on Twitter, Straterop, um, or on LinkedIn, uh, Robin Kira, uh, or just Google me. Perfect. You just Google you. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I did that just as an experiment. I, I think everyone should do that occasionally. Just Google yourself. Um, so it's Robin Kira, K-I-E-R-A, if you're looking to spell it correctly. Yes, that's um, right. And digitalscouting.de, uh, the Deutsche Land in, in Germany. Uh, Robin, it's yep. been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so Thank much you for much. making your time available this evening. Uh, it's been great to spend my morning with you. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where you're going the next 12 to 16 months myself personally as a, as a big fan and a champion and a follower of yours. Uh, folks, do tune in and catch up with Robin on Twitter and uh, link, send him a LinkedIn invite and find out what's going. Get him in your boardroom and, and get him to disrupt what you're up to. Robin, you have a great evening. Thanks so much for your time and it's been a great show. Thank you very much. 